G'day everyone and welcome to Life in the Peloton. We're up and running for the final part of the season. I'm joined here again by Lionel Burney to introduce this episode. Lionel, where are you joining me from today? Well, I'm out on the road, Mitch. I'm at the Tour of Britain. I'm at the top of Great Orme, which uh, for those who are not familiar with the British Isles is on the north coast of Wales, uh, just above Landidno. Um, and it's where the stage finishes today with a really punchy climb. Um, it's almost a combination of uh, a sort of Belgian classic climb and a sort of a typical British climb. Um, it snakes up round the headland and, and finishes on the top with some absolutely stunning coastal views. It's uh, stunning up here, really. The weather's been turned on this year in uh, the Tour of Britain. You've got a bit of a late summer there, don't you? I've been really caught out. I didn't bring any sun cream or a hat, and it's been, yeah, 25, 27 degrees. Very, uh, very pleasant end to the British summer. And we, you know, our two-day summer has, uh, has uh, broken in early <laughs> September this year. I'll get the dig in at the British weather to save you the trouble, Mitch. <laughs> Well done, mate. That's a good tactic there. Get in before I can get there. But, um, well, we've got a great episode coming up today. We've had a little break while the Vuelta Espanol was on. A great Vuelta this year. I was sad not to be there, but I very much enjoyed watching it. We're in the final part of the season, and I sat down with two young pros, a brother and sister combination, Finn and Neve Fisher-Black. They're from New Zealand, and... Um, Tell us a little bit more about them, um, Lionel, because you're a little bit more aware about them than I was. I've gone away and done some research. These guys completely slipped by my radar, but it was so great sitting down and talking to them. Yeah, I mean, if people haven't heard the name Fisher Black yet, I think they are certainly going to over the next couple of years because they're both young riders. Neve is 21, Finn is just 19. Neve is riding for SD Works at the moment, the Women's World Tour team and uh, her outstanding result this season was ninth in the in the Giro including the best young riders classification and Finn was riding for the Jumbo Visma development team and as we'll hear in your conversation Mitch she was getting some opportunities to race with um, the, 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 the World Tour team um, did the Balois Belgium Tour in June and finished fourth overall there uh, a really outstanding result for him um, but that was his last race for them because UAE Team Emirates came in and signed him up and he is now racing for UAE Team Emirates so I mean they've already got one precocious uh, talent haven't they Tade Pogacar of course double Tour de France winner and I guess the opportunity to join that team mid-season and you know crack on with the racing uh, was was something that appealed to him and I think we're going to hear the name Fisher Black a fair bit in both the men's and women's peloton over uh, the next few years it staggers me how 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 good these young riders are at the moment and that's exactly why I wanted to chat to these two because this is what is really happening in the world tour now in the pro peloton these young talents coming across but what I really wanted to talk to them about was understanding what that jump is really like for these young guys or young girls coming coming across at such a young age and setting up their life and going from there. I'm not going to tell you too much more about the story because I'm going to sit back, let you sit back and enjoy it yourself. So guys, I really hope you enjoy this one. All right, guys. 
welcome. This is Life in the Peloton, and this is a three-way pod with the bro and sis combo. I've got Finn Fisher Black with me and Neve Fisher Black with me. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And you've invited me around to your place, Finn, your new bachelor pad here in Girona. Looking over the whole of Girona. Yeah. The nice uh, pad. Welcome. It is. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. All right. So I've done, I was telling you guys before, I've done some research about you because I had to be honest with you. I didn't know a whole lot about you guys. You guys are, you know, new on the scene. Um, you're just, Finn's just signed with UAE midway through this year. So he's, he's fresh world tour. Neve's just a couple of years deep into her career over here. Um, and, you know, one thing that blew me away was your ages. Neve, born in 2000, 21 years old. Finn, born in 2001, 19 years years old. So you guys are really, really young, but that's what we're seeing at the moment with the Peloton. And, um, you know, this young talent coming in, I really want to go back to the beginning with you guys. You're New Zealanders, you're from Nelson. Take me back to that scene, back where you guys are from, back to that hometown, because I'm speaking to George Bennett, who's also from there. And he described to me a little bit about this scene, the club scene you know, where you guys are from, the Tasman Wheelers Club. Take me back just before you joined that club. What was it like growing up together, you two at home with your father, Jim, you know, how did cycling all come about for you two? Uh, Finn, maybe you want to start, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we were pretty fortunate to kind of be there in uh, in Nelson at the time that we were. I think it was like really thriving, like uh, with George kind of just coming up to the pro ranks. And then, uh, yeah, like the club racing was just, uh, yeah, on like a, a really nice level where we could kind of progress through and, and uh, kind of look up to these guys like George. Like uh, I remember when like I first kind of got into that club scene and then I was like getting hand-me-downs from George and I was just like frothing over it. So it kind of, uh, it makes you kind of, yeah, want to come through that and, and kind of be like those guys. And it's, yeah, I think we're really fortunate to have that. Mm. What about you, Neve? Like, what was it like before that? Like, you guys growing up at home, was there like just this competition between you two? Was it bikes? Was it running? What was it? Was it was it fighting? I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, from pretty young, we, we were watching our dad, who's, who was a, a strange cyclist who went off in Lycra all the time to races and was always away. Um, and yeah, we sort of thought nothing of it, but eventually he sort of pushed us into it. We were on our mountain bikes and uh, I remember always fighting with Finn for dad's wheel. Just, just we always wanted to be behind dad. And um, so yeah, that was where the sort of sibling rivalry started. We were racing each other for dad's wheel. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, started on little mountain bikes and, and sort of progressed into, into this sort of junior racing track scene in Nelson, which is really nice. It's a little nice community. I mean, it was a shit track. Um, Why was it what three thirty three concrete? Oh, no, it was three thirty three. That'd be a dream. No. <laughs> <laughs> was it four fifty five hundred? One of those huge ones. Five hundred and twenty. Oh, I love those ones. No banging yeah, at all. No, round the rugby pitch. Yeah. yeah. No, square, like, square track. Yeah, nice. Almost square. You really had to turn. It's yeah. Got four yeah. corners. <laughs> so you started on the track because what I thought was, and what I found interesting, which is not so common from you know like the Oceania area, is cross. And I saw that both of you have been national cross champions. So your first track, or was it cross first? Cyclocross, I'm talking about. Yeah, track first for sure. Okay. But like, I mean, 
we yeah a bit of track and like mountain biking like we had our i think our first bikes were these little like 24 inch uh like kona's little mountain bikes we're matching ones cool. and uh <laughs> yeah we went down to the track on those and uh yeah that was definitely the first kind of um like uh coming into riding and and uh that's kind of where it started but then the cyclocross kind of came a little bit later maybe if yeah a few a few years later our dad actually ran like a uh the cyclocross series in nelson it was like a six-week series or something and uh cool. we just kind of did it as a bit of fun and uh it's it's definitely growing a lot like in new zealand now they have like nationals and yeah. uh yeah no, it's, it's definitely becoming a, a bit bigger of a scene there now which is cool to see so potentially you guys won it when no one was doing it so actually it doesn't really give you any credit <laughs> yeah, yeah but we don't talk about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just written right up there in your results yeah. partner it's national yeah. champ cross champs yeah <laughs> well tell me about this because you were speaking about it before and this is something george spoke about a lot is this golden era he talks about as at the tasman wheelers club and he spoke exactly what he said there was jack bauer there george himself there was chris nicholson um nathan dolberg and robin reed you know the, among others these guys were coming through you know big names not only that they created this from what i can understand from talking to george this great atmosphere of good racing good competition i guess you probably didn't weren't really aware of that at the time you sort of thought okay this is just what it is but now looking back you you, are you understanding how that was really awesome that that scene yeah for sure yeah definitely i mean even going back now it just sort of it's nothing like it was we just had sort of something clicked in those few years i mean we were pretty lucky growing up that we had this like really super group of sort of like older group that were really like obviously in the professional ranks and then we had this this smaller really junior group and we were really tight in it I mean as as I say probably George has said too it's a really small community Nelson um <laughs> yeah a lot, really I mean every community is pretty small in New Zealand it's a small country <laughs> so yeah we all were tight in it and and we had that sort of competition between us all and then we had to look up to these guys that were in front of us at the club racing racing A grade and we were racing C or D grade and eventually we kind of made our way up the grades and, and I think Finn got to A grade with those big boys and I was I was still in B grade but uh, yeah maybe I'll go to A grade when I get back <laughs> <laughs> yeah man making it to A grade that was like you think you made it when you're when you're 14 years old <laughs> that's the world tour you've done it <laughs> well tell me about the rebel racing league this is something george is also telling me about this is like a right tell me about it because he sort of explained it but he sort of just said no no get get the guys to tell you about the rebel racing league so tell me about this yeah it was uh i mean i think that george and his kind of like a uh, few guys that he had kind of started it and then i think we kind of like reinitiated it a couple of years ago and we uh basically we had like a few nights like uh over the summer when we're all back home and it's kind of like this unofficial like racing like we're just all meet up at one place at like yeah six o'clock at night or whatever just in the evenings and uh just say all right we raced ahead of this sign or this little box and like everyone when we were doing it we would uh everyone would come with like two dollar donation like or like entry fee and it was like winner takes all <laughs> who, who carried all the money i don't know how did we do it i think you just give it at the end yeah okay. and then uh yeah 
but it was uh it was a good bit of fun like we'd uh a lot of us would come and like just random jerseys like i remember wearing one of like neve's old team jerseys <laughs> to it once and it was like extra extra small or something but uh nah, it was uh yeah there were some uh pretty fun nights there and because how, how did you go there would you turn up to these races and try and hang on on what was what was your involvement in this sort of scene as well or just the training was it yeah i remember a few of them i'd uh i'd head out and try to see how how long i could hang on basically it was it was that kind of racing it was basically people just popped off as they went and it was always the last two generally finn and george and um yeah but then then i'd be involved in the whole uh, often we did some unofficial prize givings had had a wee podium going i could be the podium girl but uh it was always yeah <laughs> good fun nights out and obviously we it was always like a about 50 minute hour ride out as well and then you'd ride even further out of town so then you'd be racing the light back home and yeah so they were always good big nights out and it was good training if anything yeah great i really want to bring this up because i think it's very easy to now and i assume this too with a lot of young pros coming into the peloton and we've seen it a lot now a lot of people are seeing the access to data you know, whether it's Strava, whether it's just through, um, you know, your, your training peaks, whatever, you can get your data and lots of teams are asking for your data first, maybe before they even see the results. And what I love about hearing this story about you guys is that you really, from the grassroots, learn how to race. In this club level, but rebel racing, I love that because that's like bunch racing. That's where like the gritty racing skills get taught and I think that's that's a great thing to see is that you've now progressed and you're over here in, in Europe, professionals, and you've got that racing element to it as well, aside from the, your massive talents, which I think is a massive part of it too, that you have to have this to come in the peloton now. Um, what I want to ask you guys, what has that step been like to come across here to Europe? And both of you have had slightly different pathways, of course, because, you know, the, the male and female, but... You, Finn, you came across in the development team with Yumbo Visma. And Neve, I want to talk to you about your little bumpy road too with Bigler. Um, Maybe first, Neve, you can tell me a little bit about your trip across because you were over in Europe first, weren't you? Yeah, so I I finished uh, school. And then the next year, I just, I sort of, I had always had it in my mind that Europe was the place you had to go to be a professional and I had nothing. I had no team or anything. Um, I just had some family in the UK and I actually found a team in the UK that would let me do some races for them. So so I just got on a plane and, and lived in London for the year. Oh, wow. I mean, with my auntie, uh, which was training was, it was central London. So I had to factor in 40 minutes either side of every ride. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, that was just my first year. I'd, I'd guested for whatever teams I could. Um, I spent, I was always taking myself off with people to little training camps or trying to do some racing in Belgium and things like that, doing the British scene a lot. And How old were you at this point? Yeah, so I was, I would have been 18. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think... Thomas Campana from Bigler uh, picked me up later in the season and, and sort of let me do some rides for them. And yeah, so I joined Bigler and that was, I mean, that was huge for me, I think, to, to go home with a, a secure European contract, knowing that you can go back to Europe. And I was going to live in Italy with another Kiwi. Um, so yeah, that was that was really huge 
Almost mission accomplished. It's like you take a big leap, and I can imagine a lot of people, maybe even your brother's like, well, that's a big step, sis. Yeah, you're going to go. Go for it. Good luck. You know, like it's a big step. you got to go across, find your own way. Like you said, hitch rides, find out how to train. Suddenly you're not just back in your own country, the roads you know, where you're training, back at home, comfortable, trying to be professional. That would be a hard step anyway. You take yourself to a complete different place over in the world, everything's new and you're trying to do a massive step and you come home from that trip and go, I did it, yeah, I made I've it. I've made so, it, yeah. I've done it. <laughs> so then you went, you went back the next year and what happened there with that team? Yeah, so I mean, I obviously, I started the year off like the best way I could imagine. I won nationals and then I went over with a national jersey to my new team and didn't start one race because COVID happened. So um, actually I did go home. I managed to make, make it back home to New Zealand uh, over the worst worst of lockdown, of lockdown and COVID. But did you want to go home? No, not at all. <laughs> that was, yeah. I mean, exactly what I'm saying, you have given to you everything that you've ever wanted and then suddenly it's just taken away from you before you've even started and that was like I think I traveled home with Finn and I yeah almost turned around like in Singapore or something saying I wanted to just go back and yeah I think Finn Finn sort of talked me through it and made me get on that plane home (laughs) I think it was the best decision in the end because I would have been locked in apartment here looked pretty grim (laughs) yeah it was yeah and now, Finn, tell me about your little trip across because, you know, you came across a year later um, but with a development squad in Yumbo. Um, yeah. Tell me about that because, you know, was, was that through George or how did that sort of all eventuate and what was your thought process about, okay, I'm making the big step across, I better catch up to my sister here. Yeah, I was, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I was pretty fortunate to kind of have that opportunity come up without even having to kind of go out into Europe with nothing like I think Neve came over here and there was like a whole big just unexpectedness and I think I was pretty lucky to kind of have this secure contract like straight I hadn't even left New Zealand and they were like uh, saying yeah they wanted me to come over and race for them which was uh, really nice and I think yeah for sure I got a lot to thank George for for that <laughs> I think uh, he definitely put in some good words for me which is uh, yeah really nice of him but uh yeah, no, it was it was really good. I came over my first year, um, kind of the same. Like, got here, was really excited to race, and then suddenly, like, COVID. But uh, I mean, yeah, I think. Where were you based then? Uh, in uh, south south of Netherlands okay. in uh, Sittard. Okay, so that's also another element too. You know, it's a little bit similar here to Neve. Is that you're outside your element? I'm not going to say. Spain or Girona is really comfortable, but there are people that you can access. You know, George is here or other Kiwis or even just Aussies or people you just might know, they're, they're accessible. But you go to like Holland, I know this for myself because I did the same thing, and you just feel again alone. There's nothing wrong with Holland, but it's just, it's yeah. different. So that was, I can imagine, a shock. It was pretty grim. And it was like, <laughs> it was almost to the point where I was kind of happy to go home in like this, this uh, first shock of COVID. And I think, uh, yeah, that was kind of the big difference between me and Eva. She really wanted to stay, and I, I didn't mind going home because it was like I was stuck in this shoebox in the in the Netherlands, which is in the in winter, which was uh, yeah, it was a shock to the system coming out of summer in New Zealand. But uh, yeah, 
it was uh i mean i I had a good team around me and that's that's what i was kind of grateful for but uh yeah it was it was a a big lifestyle change for sure did you two i don't know this for sure i mean i don't know how close relationship really is but like was there times where you were able to give each other advice maybe not directly like oh i think you should do this but you know just sort of hearing the similar things that you know the similar struggles Maybe you've been speaking to Neve the year before and hearing something similar to that, what you were feeling. Were there any times you guys could sort of relate to the same situation in this startup period, you know, being apart from home, away from New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think we're sort of, we have a funny relationship where we're not so like, we're not, we're really close, but we're not very affectionate of each other. And we, we don't, yeah, I mean, we're not, but we always have sort of advice to give to each other and I mean that's the same thing I mean Finn was stuck in his his little apartment and in Watersley and he was pretty lonely and and also I've had times where I've been really lonely stuck in the little apartment so I think yeah we both had words to give to each other in those times and we also say it in the hard way too often to each other so that's yeah don't want to feed it too much the rivalry is still going (laughs) (laughs) tell me okay now tell me about making the big leagues this is what I want to talk about um Funive SC Works, and that came about a sort of a roundabout way because Bigler ended up folding mid-year. And, you know, tell me about what that was like. It's suddenly like, well, I thought I'd made it. And suddenly now this team's stopping. But then now you've sort of landed on your feet in arguably the best team in the women's peloton. Tell me about that little transition after you sort of came back and then what happened? Yeah, I mean, so yeah... Uh, we had this strange season of COVID, COVID season, the end of last year, whatever it was, October, September. And um, yeah, I mean, racing with Bigler was, yeah, it was what I dreamed of. It was, it was, I was doing world tour races and, and I sort of really found myself stepping up in huge leaps and bounds actually last year. I mean, doing tours like the Giro and, and yeah, all these, the, the classic races and things like that, races that I've literally dreamed of. And yeah, so I, I was yeah happy where I was and really content. I had another year with Bigler and I was, yeah, I had plans to stay in Italy and and yeah, everything was fine until it wasn't fine. I mean, we got told pretty suddenly in end of October that our team was uh, not continuing. So, I mean, that's, that's stressful as it is finding a team in October and yeah I mean I I was only first year professional in the strange season so I didn't have so much to prove of myself but had obviously I I think shown a little bit that I I could maybe be okay and um, yeah I'm just (laughs) when I got the offers from from SD Works at Bowls and things like this I mean, I was just completely shocked that even they would consider me. So I, I had to sort of see the positive in it that I was stepping up into this huge, really developed team. And, and I, it was a huge, huge step in my career that was pretty unexpected. Wow, it's, it's totally, it's like the silver lining. It's like, well, hang on, some things, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, as I look down at my broken arm, elbow, I'm just like, well, there has to be a reason here. You know, this, this bigler team ended early, but... Now I've got this great op- opportunity to move to SC Works, which I really want to talk to you about that in a minute. But I want to hear um, Finn's transition, which has happened this year, actually. Um, you know, this development team, tell me a little bit about the Yumbo Visma development team 
and their idea about what they want to do with the riders there. It's the few teams in the World Tour that actually have their own development team. Um, and then, you know, what, what your idea was and then sort of how you've transitioned now to UAE where you are actually in the World Tour right now. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for sure with, at Yumbo, um, like obviously all the uh, development teams, they want to feed guys into their World Tour team. And uh, I think uh, they did it in a, in a really like good way, kind of uh, merging it with the World Tour team a bit. Like I would race sometimes with the World Tour team and then sometimes with the Devo team. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great group of guys and they really focus on like learning about the racing and kind of like... Uh, yeah, it's kind of more of a, in the development team especially, it's more of like a, a learning driven process rather than like a, a winning and it's it's not like winning fuels the team or anything. And uh, yeah, for sure I, I kind of learned uh, yeah, a lot there. Pretty much yeah, everything I do now, I learned, learned there racing with those guys. But um, yeah, it, it, everything kind of moved a lot faster than I expected it to. And, and yeah, like looking back now, it's been yeah, a crazy year kind of... Uh, looking at how I made the transition and, and how kind of I felt in the team at the start of the year because yeah it was uh yeah it's been a good season with like a lot of races and it, it kind of meant that I could see a lot more of the team than I did last year because last year wasn't wasn't so much races and and that kind of didn't really spend that much time there but I think uh yeah the option came up to kind of look around a little bit more for next year and uh I had a few talks, started talking with the UAE as well. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we kind of shared the same vision of where I want to be in the future and, and my kind of dream. And and uh, yeah, I think for me, looking back now, I'm really happy with the transition. I'm really happy with kind of the decision I made. Mm. It was a really hard one because I, I really like uh, got along well in the team at Yumbo, like with the guys in the development team especially and uh it was it was hard to leave and i i know it's not kind of like the ideal thing you do when you join a development team for me it was it was really the right thing to do and i'm, I'm glad i made the decision that i did and tell me what it was like when you're in the uh yumbo when you sort of yumbo sorry when you went sort of back and forth and you got that little bit of experience the world tour were you like oh, actually i don't think i'm that far away from this or was it like whoa yeah, because you know, like, I, I, I'm trying to remember back to my first sort of experience of World Tour. It's like it's something you become accustomed to and that's your level of racing. But I guess that first exposure to it, what was that like for you? Being very sort of fresh, your steps were very quick, you know, suddenly across to Europe, learning European racing. Now suddenly it's like, have a chance of racing World Tour. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's, it's, it's a good like uh, concept that they can bring guys up into development, into the World Tour team. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, my last, my uh, first race in the World Tour team actually was Vuelta Burgos last year and it was an absolute shocker. Like I was like, uh, I think I came in like 15 or 20 minutes down or something. Like uh, I, I had a crash and it was just uh, like, those are the kind of days where I was, I was there and I was like, okay, this is kind of like, this is the pro level. Like this is not what I expected it to be. Like this isn't what it all cracked up to be. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of actually that day was, it was a bit of a roller coaster because I, yeah, I had this really bad, like, well, bad crash and like uh, crawled to the line basically. But I remember just after I crashed and I got back up and I was kind of riding along, like, oh, 
what am I doing? Like, this sucks. <laughs> and then suddenly, like, uh, because when I was growing up, I was always a massive fan of Cavendish. Yeah. He was always, like, my idol growing up, and, like, uh, he was the one I would switch on the TV for. And uh, suddenly I was I was riding, riding up, crawling along pretty much on my bike, turned around, and I saw Cavendish there as well. And uh, Just you and him or yeah, a group? Just, just me and him cool. crawled to the line together. And, uh, Did you guys have a yeah. chat or something? Uh, a little bit. I mean, uh, probably uh, more the next day. Yeah. But uh, no, we were kind of, yeah, just uh, it was yeah, a bit of a roller coaster because I was at one second like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, this sucks. And then suddenly like, oh, I'm here with like my childhood like idol. Like, this is crazy. And then, yeah, suddenly it kind of lit up again. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, we had a good week there. And uh yeah since then it's just i felt a little bit more at home in the races and like uh, the pro scene you kind of work your way up a little bit like some started getting like top 50s and then top 40s and <laughs> top 30s and then uh yeah finally at the start of this year or earlier this year when i got on the podium in my first pro race and that was kind of when i thought okay maybe like maybe i can compete with these guys now and like uh it was a big confidence boost and and yeah, that's kind of when I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I can work my way up and kind of start to compete with these guys. Yeah, nice. That's that's. I want to talk about, I want to talk about an idol maybe of yours. I, I could be speaking out of turn here, uh, Neve, but I had a chat with Ashley Mulman Pasio on the last podcast. Actually, if anyone hasn't heard that, go back and have a listen. It's a great episode, and she's actually a teammate of yours, and. Um, She's one of the the elder riders in the peloton, but also in the team. And I don't know, I, I, is, is she potentially like a bit of a mentor for you? I heard you guys room together and potentially, uh, actually on paper, you sort of look like a bit of the similar riders. Um, even though she goes against that and she says, look, everyone thinks I'm a climber because I'm a little lightweight, but I actually love sort of classics racing. And she seems to think that's a bit similar to you. Tell me a little bit about what it's like having Ashley on the team and someone to look up to that's a, quite a similar rider to you and maybe had some similar experiences. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, Ash is a huge sort of role model for me. As, as you say, yeah, we, we room together at the Giro, so that's, that's a long time to spend in a room together. And, and often we've actually kept rooming together the last few races actually because we sort of figured out that we kind of work together our like time like yeah the things we do and and yeah yeah she's she's really cool to have around she's also not uh dutch um and that's also kind of nice to have i don't know there's always the sort of you know the dutch they speak dutch and they do their thing in a certain way it's also nice to have ashley and, and she does she does normal people things well, a bit more similar to how I how I see things and yeah we can we can really um, reflect off each other in our room <laughs> nah it's, it's, it's really good to have her around and yeah she, similar writers I think and it's really interesting to talk to her because I always have the same battle too of like no I'm I'm not just the climber. I'm. I can do other things too. And she's like, "Yeah, we can. We can do other things. We can do the classics. We can have a fast finish." And and I'm like, "Yeah, we can." And so it's really, yeah, we really bounce off each other. And and it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, she's a much more experienced rider than I am. Um, older than me too. And 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 it's just like, yeah, it's so nice to have her around. I can I can take her experience and and yeah, we can just as much be there for each other too so it's really nice mm, nice she was she was also telling me that 
you know, as you said, okay, yeah, you share a lot of things with her and, you know, we're really close and she sort of, you know, can understand a bit more about you. So much so that actually this year, tell me if this is true, this is, this is how humble your personality is. You're down in the lobby through Norway, another rider walks past, Sarah Roy, happens to know when your birthday is. Hey, Neve, happy birthday, by the way. I'm sure everyone's been, you know, congratulating you today. It's your 21st birthday. She's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Whole team's behind her. Ashley, who's in your room, has no idea, didn't bother telling anyone. 21st birthday, just little you there, just like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's my 21st, you know? So just this, this, this is what Ashley was telling me. You've got this really humble personality, but on the same side, you're very stubborn, very know what you want, and you real, really hard worker. Um, you know, I don't really know what I'm sort of asking you here, but I just wanted to create this sort of picture for everyone out there that is listening to your voice and maybe doesn't know who you are. This time you've spent over here, once again, your age, what you're doing, I just want to emphasize that that element of it. And you're understanding now what it takes to be in the, in the, in the peloton um, and sort of paving your way there. All right, guys, I want to finish up here and just sort of talk about what's happening in the Peloton now and sort of this younger generation. When I came into the Peloton, you know, and that sounds like to you guys, it sounds very similar. There were idols of mine, people I aspired to, and I wanted to go this way. I wanted to be like Tom Boonen. I wanted to be like Stuart O'Grady, these guys. And, you know, I wasn't so data-driven or, you know, to go out and do these Strava climbs or be like, but this is what I feel like is happening now and the Peloton's moving so fast forward. What is really motivating you guys now, being over here, away from home, like you said, to make that big step to go to London, to be professional, what was that What was that driving force to come across? What is this new generation? Or maybe it's just different. You guys aren't gonna fit the mold. What is driving you guys now to pursue this dream over here in Europe alone? Well, I mean, you come from Australia too, and in, in Australia and New Zealand, it's always kind of, yeah, racing there. You always know there's part of you that that's that's not where the true racing is. I mean, the true racing is in is in Europe. It's in Belgium. I mean, even as I was growing up, I even had ideas of America and things like that. It's always sort of this, I need to go somewhere else to do it, and that's where the bigger scene is. And I think that was the biggest motivation, and still is the biggest motivation. I mean, Europe is the center of it all really in terms of cycling world yeah i think it was kind of it's just that like unknown right it's like this kind of like fantasy that you see on like tv and like you watch the tour growing up and everything and then you're like ah there's this world out there this is europe and then i think that's kind of what drove me to come over here and now yeah it's just like I, i love the lifestyle like i love riding my bike every day and kind of like going to these races and, and traveling, I kind of forget sometimes that, yeah, I'm only 19 and get to do all this travel and it's, yeah, meet all these people and uh, kind of like go to all these places. And I think that's the thing that really drives me is is kind of, yeah, how fortunate we are kind of to, to be over here and just kind of doing what we've loved since, since a young age. So I think, uh, yeah. What about now to these young guys coming across? And there's still going to be some pros coming across at your age right now. And, you know, maybe slightly younger, but you're just young. But I feel like you've experienced that, that step to come across in these last couple of years. And if you were able to sort of give yourself advice two, three years ago, 
now what you know now what what's something you would do you know keep do it exactly like you've done or you know keep pushing you know you you're going to make it this this sort of feel like because there are going to be those crossroads where you you're going to have to make those decisions to okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go across to london i'm gonna do it you know or what what sort of advice would you give yourself two years ago or three years ago now I would, I would just say, I mean, you just got to prepare for the long run. I don't think it's an easy ride at all. And I think actually I still get frustrated even today at my like teammates or European teammates and things like that. And, and just some things they say and it's like, oh, well, actually, I don't think you've worked as hard, as hard at this as I have. Like, I mean, I mean, they're always so, so empathetic and they, they, they understand that I'm so far from home and so far from my, especially the Dutch, they're always so worried about me and, and my and being away from my family and things like that, but it's, I I don't know. I find it difficult to explain to them. Almost, it's just, yeah. It's like Finn was saying, sort of this just feeling that it's like it's kind of it's always what you wanted. So it just feels like the normal done thing to do. I mean, it it obviously it's hard, but I don't think it's as hard as they they would make it out to be. I mean, I think our European compatriots sort of see this see what they're doing is slightly different to, to how I mean Aussies New Zealanders and Americans see it I mean Americans see it it's um yeah it's sort of a different sort of outlook on the sport yeah I think uh if I was to kind of look back at myself a couple of years ago I think just to like kind of keep having fun with it and that's kind of the reason why you do it and I think because as you know as well I guess there's this point where it becomes a job and kind of for sure everything's uh you're still doing it for the same reasons because you love the sport and everything but I think there's kind of this freedom when you're junior and and youth and it's like you should really kind of treasure that while you have it just to be able to like uh yeah go out and do these rebel racing leagues with your mates and just kind of like eat ice cream when you get home and <laughs> that kind of thing and not kind of treat it like a, a job when you're 16 and, and I'm glad I didn't and I'm glad we I kind of got out and and kind of just rode with my friends and that was the driving factor back then mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not saying that it's it's changed now but I still do it because I love it and and I still go out and have fun with my mates and uh, it's just kind of uh, the mental side changes a bit because suddenly you're doing it to you know um keep progressing in your job and uh yeah I think uh there's a few guys now in juniors for sure and I think I saw it as well uh in my years and it was like uh there's guys that treat it like they're pro when they're uh, 16 17 and uh yeah it I think it's not good for the long run no no I think and I totally I think that's a fantastic point because you can see that that's why it's going to go you know guys are having to do more things more and more and more professional how what's the length of their career going to be once you become professional what steps do you have to take if you're already a pro before you're a pro so um yeah that was that was fantastic good to hear your story and i can't wait to get into some talking loft so let's get into it eh? awesome thank you thanks guys Well, what a brother-sister combo they are. And they were great to hang out with and have a chat to them the other day over at Finn's place. And I really love chatting to them. Lionel, did you get that real sense of, you know, fun sort of brother-sister combo from them and that competitiveness that they not only bring to each other, but they're going to bring to the Peloton in the next few years? 
Yeah, I loved uh, Neve talking about fighting to get on their dad's wheel when they were going out cycling. You know, I can imagine them, you know, elbowing, elbowing each other out of the way and, and her asserting herself as the, the slightly older, the bigger sister. Um, and I suppose what really came across was the fact that they've travelled halfway around the world at such young ages to compete in a sport in Europe knowing that that is the place that you have to go to to make your way in professional cycling and I think we all take for granted that um, that that's an easy transition uh, coming away especially with the pandemic as well and, and, and the uncertainty that that would have introduced but also I think we from the outside certainly I sometimes take for granted that the, the culture in all of the pro teams is going to be the same and actually that's not the case and and it takes a little while you know to kind of embed into a different country and a different way of life and and just you know that adaptation of uh, you know european style apartments and the the pace of life and and living off the bike and I, I got a sense of that adjustment from from the both of them as well and and particularly from finn talking about how uh, important it is to enjoy the sport and not turn it into a job too soon because you know at 19 he could have 15 years of this ahead of him comfortably couldn't he and that's a that's a long long time to be um, focused on a sport that demands so much of you totally and that's exactly right and that's exactly what I was trying to tap into there for the listeners out there who uh, understand the world of racing but don't understand what has to go into staying a professional or even in their case trying to become a professional all the stuff outside of the the race day but also to the young aspiring professional out there people who are growing up thinking you know i want to make that trip across to europe and sort of you know putting it up on a pedestal that looks fantastic there's some realities to it and you know neve is she's very special from what i understand talking to ashley and also herself she's very stubborn very self-driven but that's what it sort of has taken for her to make these steps over here to plow her way through and start her own path herself and it's it's quite inspiring talking to these this young generation and it's very great for it's very good for me because i've sort of lost touch with that young generation and it's again for me understanding hey that's right that's what it does take when you're starting up to to make this sacrifice to work all this stuff out yourself and you know you forget i'm sitting there talking to them i really did forget how young they were and how big that step really was i was really quite blown away listening to their story too and just the fact that you know she moved herself to london where she had a a family member her aunt so she could base herself in europe but you know again quite quite an unconventional place to to start uh, a career in professional cycling living in central london not not the ideal place for you know long training rides you've got the parks obviously or you've got to get yourself out of the city i guess to um, but just having that resourcefulness and commitment to to make it work somehow um, you know talent physical talent is one thing but you know mental resilience is a is a talent as well isn't it it is. It very much is. And you know, I was there last week at the uh, Ben and Lux tour and um, Finn was there in the race. I didn't see him actually. He was just blended into another one of the riders. But there's a whole lot of bunch of racing coming up. The season is starting to wrap itself up now. Roubaix is not too far away. Lionel, are you going to get yourself up to Paris-Roubaix this year? I'm very much hoping so, Mitch. Yes, um, it's a relatively short hop across the channel. 
for me. Richard Moore, my colleague on the cycling podcast, lives not far from Compiègne where the race starts. Uh, so yeah, we're hoping to make the. I'm hoping to make the trip over for both the women's and the men's races. Uh, it's at the start of October, isn't it? But I've got to ask, you mentioned the, the Benelux Tour, Mitch. Uh, it came to a premature end for you. You crashed out. Uh, how are you? What actually happened and, and, and how's your recovery going? Yes, it was, it was a very strange crash. It was very hard for me. It's been a while since I've been racing and to step back into that race is difficult at times, let alone when you've had sort of two or three months off racing. But I, I really found my feet. I felt like I was moving well there, but I just got caught up in a big bunch crash, sort of a heap crash. And um, I jumped back on the bike and went straight back to the front. That was my job that day to ride, protect the jersey. And I was like, geez, my wrist is very, very sore here, but I'm going to finish the stage and check that out after the race. And once we got a scan on that, I found out that my elbow actually was fractured. Um, I probably could have soldiered on, but with with the big goal being Paris-Roubaix being my last race of my career and that only being four weeks away we threw it straight in a cast I've been on the ergo or the turbo as you like to call it Lionel the last week and um, you know everything's looking good it's still quite sore um, I've been advised that you know give it two weeks and I'll be back out on the road and that'll give me a week before Roubaix to um, before I get ready to hit those cobbles and probably fracture it again oh don't <laughs> no you've got to you've got to uh you've you've got to be fighting fit for the the, the final run to the velodrome in Roubaix Mitch we're, we're relying on you well I'll ride to it no matter what you know I'll just put some tape on there whatever it needs to be I'll be there I'll be soldiering on you're not going to stop me that day that's for sure um not Roubaix not anyone it's just going to be great. I'm, I'm really motivated. It's so funny how easy it is to do the training now when you know that's the carrot hanging, hanging up there. Um, it's going to be great. Um, there's going to be a few more podcasts coming up. I think we've got three left this year. I've got a special one organised around Paris-Roubaix, another one after Roubaix, and we've got a fantastic one coming in two weeks' time. So, guys, hang in tight. Next week there'll be a talking loof with the brother-sister combo, the Fisher Black combination there Finn and Neve so guys thanks very much for tuning in and until next time cheers you have been listening to Life in the Peloton the producer of this episode was Will Jones the music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley thanks mate